Have you ever been sharing the gospel with somebody and have them give you a bunch of reasons that they don't believe God exists and there's not enough evidence or whatever else they might say? Well, stay tuned and hear the only reason that people don't come to Jesus. It's not what you think. Plant a seed in my soul. Hey there, high school students. Thank you for tuning back in today. Uh, this is a, a really great time to thinking to be thinking about how to share Jesus with your family members and friends. The holidays are coming up. You're going to be getting together with your loved ones, maybe your cousins and whatnot. And you may end up and hopefully end up talking about Jesus. Now, a lot of people have a lot of reasons why they don't want to receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Look, before I had uh, Christ in my life, I had all the reasons in the world as to why I didn't want to follow Jesus at that time. Now, I did always believe that there was a God. I always believed that Jesus was God, but it was just a head knowledge. It didn't transfer from my head to my heart uh, into true saving faith. But there's a lot of people out there that say there's not enough evidence, uh, evolution's true, and all sorts of things. But what is the real reason? What's the real reason that men and women don't come to Jesus? Well, get your Bible out and open up to John chapter 3. Now, recently in our high school ministry, we've been studying John uh, chapter 3 as we've been going verse by verse uh, and uh chronologically through the Gospels. And so we're in John chapter 3, uh, or we just rather finished John chapter 3 on a Sunday morning here. And so we we talked about this a little bit, but I thought it would be good just to remind you uh, of the real reason people don't come to Jesus. So here we are in John chapter 3. You know John 3.16. As a matter of fact, the whole world knows John 3.16. But do you know John 3.17? Listen to what it says. It says... God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Now it goes on in verse 18. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. And this is the condemnation that men, uh, this is the condemnation that light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. So in truth, the only one reason people don't come to Jesus is because of their sin. Now let's read John 3, uh, 20 again, but let's exchange the word light for Jesus. For everyone practicing evil hates Jesus and does not come to him, lest their deeds should be exposed. That's the only thing that keeps people from Jesus. They may have all kinds of other objections. They may say, well, there's other religions, and how do we know that Christianity is true? And, um, and of course, we can talk about all those reasons, but I want you to understand what is the underlying condition that's the real reason for their unbelief. And the underlying condition is S-I-N. They're S-I-N positive. 
There's a virus, by the way, that's far worse than anything our world has ever seen, and it's, it's called sin. And the only way to be healed of this is through the blood of Jesus. And so I want you to understand that because it would help you in getting to the bottom of what is the real reason people are denying Jesus or don't want him. And I, I remember being asked this question uh, as I sat at the Harvest Crusade. I looked at my mom and said to her, I will not receive Jesus today. And my mom said to me, why? What do you have to give up? That was the real question. Not, what is it that you're believing? Do you believe there's a God? Uh, do we need you to, to understand some poly apologetics? And there's a place for all that. I'm not denying that or negating that. But what you have to understand is the underlying condition, according to Jesus, is sin. So when my mom said to me, what do you have to give up? I knew. I knew what I had to give up. And for me at that time, it was doing drugs and partying with my friends, sex outside of marriage, all that business. I knew and I thought about it and I realized that's what I had to give up. And up until that moment, I wasn't ready to give it up. It wasn't until I heard the truth and it was put plain and simple, black and white, no whitewashing, that I realized, man, I'm living a life that's contrary to God. And if I die in this condition, I'm going to die and be separated from God for eternity. And I didn't want that. I wanted to receive Christ as my Lord and Savior, which I, in fact, did. But, you know, the very first word of the gospel is to repent. You have to repent and believe. The very first thing, the repent, is in connection with the thing that keeps people from Jesus, their sin. And that's the only way you can receive Jesus is to recognize you're a sinner and to repent from your sins. And then, of course, to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. <clears throat> Excuse me. So it's important that you understand that process. You can aim for the head and you'll hit the head. But if you aim for the heart, you'll hit the heart. And that's what's most important. Think about it in your own life. What was it that truly changed your view about Jesus? Now, there might have been something that started it. It could have been apologetics. It made you think. But at the end of the day, you had to come to terms with your sin nature. The heart has to be affected. And so it's important that we recognize when we're presenting the gospel to people that we've got to aim for the heart, not the head. We don't want false conversions. We want true disciples to be made. Jesus said, go and make disciples. He didn't say go and make converts. He said, go and make disciples. So don't put the cart before the horse. We've got to aim for the heart. That can include uh, apologetics, but um, there's, and there's all kinds out there. But the, but the thing that you need to remember is the heart and the thing that keeps men and women from Jesus. And that thing that keeps men and women from Jesus quite often is their sin. Now, I don't think it's a good idea for you to start off asking them, hey, what sin are you involved in? But I do think if you get some good scriptures, like, for example, Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. There's a bunch of verses that you can use that all aim at that heart issue. By the way, that's what the commandments do. The commandments are a tutor to bring us to Christ, Paul said. But once we've come to Christ, we're no longer under a tutor. What does the law do? The law shows us our need 
for a Savior. It shows us that we're sinners separated from God by our sin. That's why our world wants to remove the Ten Commandments from every facet of society. Why? Because it shows them their need for a Savior. It says, hey, you're not as good and great as you think you are. And I want you to understand something else. There is a worldview, and it's a a predominant and a prevailing worldview, that says man is inherently good. And when man does things, uh, he's, he's erred, yeah, but he's inherently good, and um, he's, by, by all means, not a sinner. And so their, their view and their way of dealing with sinful nature is skewed because they, they view man as inherently good. They don't, they don't view man as inherently sinful. This is a main problem with psychology today. Psychology looks at the human condition and says, Man's inherently good. So it can't be that they start from man being inherently evil. As the Bible says, none is good, no, not one. We've all turned aside and gone after our own way. The Bible says that we're born in sin. As uh, Adam sinned, that condition was spread to the human race. And since it's been spread to the human race, the Bible says in the book of Romans, the only way to counteract it is through Christ. As in Adam, all die, even so in Christ, all will be made alive. So when you view this condition the wrong way, you come up with the wrong solutions. The only solution for a wicked and sinful heart is the gospel. That's the only thing that can change somebody. We can temporarily change someone's behavior, but we can't change the condition of the human heart. Only the gospel can. Only the word of God can. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4 that the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. So remember that, how powerful the word of God is, is, is so vital and key to your understanding of how to use the scriptures in conversations. And by the way, you don't have to say, you know, in Romans 6.23, you can simply say, the Bible says. The Bible says, the wages of sin is death and the gift of God is eternal life. Through Christ Jesus our Lord. What are you, what are you doing uh, in your sin? You're storing up wrath in the day of judgment. But God desires a better way. He has no pleasure in the death of the wicked, the Bible says, but that all should come to repentance. God loves your family. God loves your friends more than you do. I don't know if you knew that or not, but God loves them more than you do. He wants them in heaven more than you want them in heaven. As a matter of fact, God wants you in heaven more than you want to be in heaven. He loves you more than you love yourself, which is really good. You shouldn't really love yourself. You should love others. The Bible teaches us constantly to be others-focused. But I want you to understand God's love is so powerful and so great. The Bible says that in Romans 5.80, demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So God demonstrated his love towards me while I was out living in my sin. I was living my own way, doing my own thing, living for the sinful desires of my flesh, and God displayed his love for me at the cross. When I recognized that, because the Bible says it's the goodness of God that leads a man to repentance, when I recognized that, I received Christ as my Lord and Savior. I became a new creation in Christ. That's the process. So remember, when someone's giving you all of their objections, I, I don't think you should stop them and, and say, no, it's just because you're sin. I would ask them, what's keeping them from God? Here's a great question you can ask. And I got this from Frank Turek. He said, if Christianity were true, would you become a Christian? 
when they have all of their reasons why they don't want to receive Jesus or why they don't want to talk about the Bible, you can just simply ask them, if Christianity were true, would you become a Christian? If they say no, the reality is they've shown you, even if it were true, which it is, right? They're saying, well, if it is true, they don't believe it, it's true. But, but they're saying, if it is true, I, I'm not going to believe it. I'm not going to follow that Jesus. So there you have it. The one thing that keeps people from Jesus is their sin. And the one question you can ask them to cut through all of their, their reasons why they don't want Jesus is if Christianity were true, would you become a Christian? Man, so simple. I love it. The, the Bible is so simple. Yes, there's profound, deep things in the Word of God, but the gospel is simple. So simple, a three-year-old can understand it. A three-year-old could receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior, and all the way up to the oldest person that's ever lived. Simple. I hope and pray that you will take uh, this verse, tuck it away in your mind and your heart, and keep in mind the next time you're talking to someone that's not a believer, uh, that that's the real reason. And I hope and pray that that serves you well. May you continue to search the scriptures, and may you grow in the knowledge and the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thanks for tuning in. God bless you guys. We'll see you next time right back here on Grounded Podcasts. Plant a seed in my soul.